Welcome, everybody, to episode number 306 of the Extra Podcast. I'm your host, John, and I am... Hi, John. Hey, Paul. You are with us. This Good to be back. This episode. It's great to have you back. <laughs> You've been away for a while. Uh, yeah. I think the last one I was on was the 300th. Also, oh, like six weeks, so like the, a month and a half. The so double down. not that long. And he had a double down. Yeah, the double down. Hey, my name is Andy Steiger. I'm on the show. Yes. My name is Greg Harris. I'm also on the... Podcast. Oh, that's awkward. Hey, great. Thanks. That was very breathy. Yep, it was. I don't know if our listeners appreciated that or not. <laughs> they will let us know. So, uh, it's good to have you guys with us. Thanks. I, don't know, I, I mean, I'm a big hockey fan. I'm going to get some emails for this because I'm going to bring up sports again. But have you guys seen the arena in Nashville? Crazy. Here's the thing. I'm here. A hot what take. What about it? You ready for a hot take? It's awesome. What does hot take mean? Just let me, let me say it and then you'll know. Yeah. Is that like a hot pocket? No. Nashville is a better hockey town than vancouver yes i'm going i will agree with you the environment inside a vancouver canucks game is dreadful Mm -hmm. it is probably you can't say that when they were in the cup though no but even when when they were in the cup they were not the kind of crowd that is in nashville right now okay so explain what's going on in nashville because i haven't watched any of the finals nashville has St- fans are standing most of the game. Basically, the right? whole game, they stand. They are chanting. Oh, and their chants are awesome. And they're singing songs. Like soccer chants yep. kind of thing? Yes. Okay. So picture, some of some of our listeners will understand this. It's like going to a college football game. Like, you've got a bunch of people that are used to college football. Like, that's their thing down in Nashville. And they've taken that and brought it into the hockey arena. It's really? one of the best things that's happened for hockey in that area. But what's that's crazy sweet. is that, you know, the the soccer field, the football field, that's in big open air environments. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to, so to, to throw that inside a enclosed hockey arena yeah. would just make the thing shake. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So what's the series? Is it two all It's now? two, two. Sweet. Yep. Nashville won the sweet. last couple. I'm still pulling for Pittsburgh though. Eh. Are you? Yep. Why? I like Crosby. Oh, yeah. So yeah, uh, after seeing It's a good the, Canadian kid. After seeing how the Nashville fans have responded, I'm like they deserve it. Yeah. So Oh, anyway. I I'm not really uh, I don't really care. Yeah. But if you have to pick one. Oh, I'm picking Nashville. I'll, I'll pick Pittsburgh. So just because it it kind of bothers me, I have to say that Tampa Bay, Dallas, Carolina, LA, Anaheim, and now possibly Nashville will have a Stanley Cup before Vancouver. Yep. Yep. And it's been what? Leaf fans? Like 60 years? I don't know. Ron would know. Ron would have a calendar. I don't know. So, you know, it's been a long, and Winnipeg fans, like it's been a long time for us, obviously. And and then these newcomers come in and and it's like, oh, look at that. They're going to get a cup. These young whippersnappers. Andy, you look left out. Although I love this out. And he totally it's, zoned out. He's like, you're going to talk about hockey? All right. I got stuff to do. Yeah. It's at this point in the conversation that I check my email. How about some backpacking? <laughs> yeah. You want to talk Solo about sports? You got any of those? Uh, it's all good. Okay. I can. I respect the Canadian ways, the Canadian hockey ways. Appreciate oh that. So Greg was preaching this last weekend. I was also preaching at uh, the Sunday night service. And we got a couple of questions about your sermon in particular, Greg, uh, one of the listeners wrote in. Wanted to know why it sucked so bad. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> see, that's a hot. Hey, Paul, see, that's a hot take. Hot take. Right that's there. 
Wow, uh, Annie buckets. just coming out swinging. Left the foam bat at home and took out the wood. <laughs> is that the just, new lingo hot just take? Just the JD special right there. Yeah. Is that like, uh, is that go with? You got to get woke. I don't know if hot take <laughs> is all that new. No, no. you. But you. I don't know that. You saying you got to get woke. Yeah, might be one of the. <laughs> I think like, I was just made my day. Most like <laughs> white dad comments yes. ever with yeah. your palm tree shirt. That's right. That's How did you feel about the sermon, Greg? Uh, okay, so Saturday night service. Um, I'm preaching and I'm making an offhand comment about the song at the wedding and I'm trying to just oh, get people the image of the mm-hmm. wedding, right? And music. So I said they're playing some Barry Manilow at the wedding, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I'm trying to think of a Barry Manilow song and I'm blanking. So I say Sweet Caroline. <laughs> which which is which is Neil Diamond. Yeah. But can I just say I have not had responses to a sermon like that. <laughs> My phone blowing up. <laughs> Emails being sent. Did you have your phone on you in forget your pocket that you, while you were not, preaching? No, it was back oh, forget, okay. forget that you mishandled the text. Uh, so says Paul. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But if you misattribute right. a Neil Diamond oh, quote. Yes. People yeah. at North U at Saturday night will lose their minds. minds. So <laughs> I didn't so I didn't funny. I didn't bring it up Sunday morning. I just said sweet Caroline. I left Barry right out of it because I didn't wanna I didn't want to trigger any people who big big Neil Diamond fans. I texted you right after you said it. Yeah. And I cause I, I was like, dude, come on. Like yeah. everybody knows. But, I, I, but nobody, re, I, I didn't hear any laughing around me. Or I thought, no, I, it totally blew past everybody. No, it's because all those but people everybody are was normal. texting they, you. They didn't think it was funny. They were just triggered. <laughs> yeah, everyone was too busy uh, texting him to laugh at it. <laughs> totally. Well, I'll just correct him with his 70s rock knowledge. Yes, awesome. His deficiencies. Is it 70s? Is that okay? I, I don't know. Probably. It was probably before I was born, though. Yeah. So... Anyway, you got you got a question about your yeah your sermon um, asking about the wedding clothes. So in your sermon, oh. you mentioned you you made the f- reference to the wedding clothes as our good works that we put on once we have accepted the king's invitation to his banquet. So yeah, I'll phrase it this way: uh, the language the language of not wearing the right wedding clothes is is an example of not listening to the commands of the king. Okay. And my application to not listening to the commands of the king is we do this when we don't actually do what the scriptures command us to do. So here's one thing I want to say right off the bat is that it is not uncommon in some reform circles throughout basically since the the 15th, 16th century. I'm, I'm going there. Okay. It's not uncommon. Calvin was wrong. For, no, no. Here's the thing. I don't know if Calvin said it, but I don't know. at least in the 16th century, a lot of his early followers were making the claim that because we are saved by grace through faith, that means our works add nothing to the equation, which means, they would say, that it doesn't matter what you do in obedience because you're saved by grace. So your response and your obedience is inconsequential to your actual salvation. So that, that language, maybe people wouldn't use that exact same language today. They might want to nuance it a bit, but the idea that all of our acts and all of the works that we do post conversion are quote unquote as dirty rags in the sight of the Lord is just 
a false idea. The gospels say the exact opposite, that those who truly believe will have fruit that accords with their belief. So in the parable, I, I think the way to best understand the parable in light of the context of Jesus talking to the Pharisees is that the Pharisees were the kinds of people who knew that there was a Messiah coming, who knew that this Messiah was going to deliver God's people, and they rejected Jesus. So they, they knew about this invitation. When they had the invitation come to them, they rejected it persistently. And now the call is, okay, it, the message is going to go forward, and some people are going to accept this invitation. They're going to come in, but some of them are going to wear the wrong clothes. They're not actually going to listen to what the king has to say. So for people who want to make the clothes be our acceptance in Christ, that, that we need to put on the right clothes, we have to be dressed in Christ's righteousness, I think is the language of the emailer. Yeah, so the, the question would be, aren't the wedding clothes Christ's righteousness, not our listening to the king? And I'm saying in the context of the parable, that's, exact, that, that's, uh, that's not what they're referring to at all. That's, okay. The wedding garments don't reflect, don't, don't have to do with Christ's righteousness giving to us because the fact that you are invited to the wedding is the act of grace is, is the call for salvation itself in the context of the parable because you have good and bad people receiving the invitation coming in and being welcomed. And then you have this guy who's in there who's wearing the wrong clothes. So I made, I made the case from the historical context that people would have known that you have to wear the appropriate attire and if you don't, then you wouldn't be allowed in. And for the king to have a banquet and command people to wear this clothing is not an uncommon thing to have happen. It's not a surprising detail. So to have someone come in in the tuxedo t-shirt and flip-flops, what that's saying is, I don't want to listen to what the king has to say. I'll come to the party, but I'm not going to listen to you. So that was my, my take on the, the parable. I think I had uh, good exegetical grounding to it. I think the fact that earlier in Matthew 21, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Matthew 21, 43. Mm -hmm. Then after he tells these parables, he's engaging with them. They start engaging him in dialogue about things. They're trying to call him out. Jesus in Matthew 23 starts bringing the woes. And he says these words, he says to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses's seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach. So what Jesus is saying is, look, these guys problem is they're not actually doing what God is asking them to do. He says that before he tells the parables, he says it in the middle of the parables because they're not, they didn't want to respond to John when John the Baptist came and said, repent for the Messiah is coming near. They're like, yeah, no. So they didn't listen to him. They're not listening to Jesus now that they, they don't have fruit that's according to their works or to, to their profession. And later he, he's, before he gives all the woes against the religious leaders, he says, look, they, they teach a good doctrine. They just don't follow it. So to me, to read into the wedding clothes, an imputation, a giving of Christ's righteousness to us, I just think is misusing the imagery of the parable. I agree that we are dressed in Christ's righteousness, that we stand justified before the throne because of what Christ has done in his perfect act of obedience, that now we stand before God justified because of what Christ has done. We receive his righteousness. We put it on. That's just not what this parable is talking about. That's my point. Okay. So... I think 
I mean, hold on. Let's just clarify here. You disagree, Paul. Uh, well, I'm not 100% sure if I disagree. This is why I said before that I want to clarify yep, let's do it. things. So I know that we believe the same thing. Right. I know that we believe that we are only admitted into the kingdom based on the righteousness of Christ being given to us and him taking our sins upon himself. Mm. So, but when I look, <clears throat> when I look at the, at the text, uh, when I look at... Um, so, yeah, you, you referenced 21, verse 32, where it says, For John came to you, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. So I think, though, when you, when you take that into consideration, then you look at um, verse, what was it, 14? No, 13? Where it says the good and the bad are both there. Oh, no, verse 10. So, mm-hmm. and the servants went out into all the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. So you had people that I, I take, bad and good means those who are following the law and those who aren't following the law. Am I right? Sure. Yep. Right? Okay. So we've got those who are following the law well, the good, and those who aren't, right? And so the prostitutes, the, ha- the tax collectors mm-hmm. aren't following the law, but they're called, they're invited in, mm-hmm. right? And so, so all the prostitutes, tax collectors, Gentiles are called and brought into this banquet. And then we see there that he says that uh, there was a man who had no wedding garment. It doesn't tell us if it was a prostitute or sa- tax collector or whatever, but they were called, they're in there, and, and every, so say there's, by, by this, I mean, we can only guess that there was, in this parable, that there's only one guy in there. Like it's, we're not looking at a whole group of people yep. based on yep. any particular act or uh, whatever, or class. But, so we have in there this, everybody's wearing the white garments, mm-hmm. let's assume they're white. Sure. Uh, and one guy's wearing his dirty clothes. So, so these guys, as, as everybody else is in there, though, they're in there. And we, we would say that they're in there because they're in there because of the righteousness of Christ. Right? Right. Which I think in the, in the p- parable is yeah. receiving the invitation and accepting the invitation. Okay. But when, then when it gets to where it says many are called and few are chosen. Yeah then it, it gets a little dicey on that because if we're talking about the elect, mm-hmm. the elect are those who God calls and we use the mm-hmm. term effectual call. Mm-hmm. So those whom God calls come in. Mm-hmm. But in this context, I would think the called is just the gospel call going out. Okay. Right. Yep. But fewer chosen. So, so the gospel goes out into all the world. It goes out into all the highways and the byways and whatever. But not everybody who hears it will accept it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so those who are in the wedding, all of these people are in there. Those who are wearing the white are the called. And those who aren't in there, aren't wearing the white, are the not effectually called. Right. Right? See, I... Oh, so, yep. so I guess what I would 
say when I'm, when I'm looking at that, and when we talk about the Pharisees, the tax collectors, I mean, oh. the Pharisees and the tax collectors, when Jesus, when somebody asked him about the kind of righteousness that we needed, it had to exceed that of the Pharisees and the tax collectors. And they're, I mean, according to the people, I mean, that, it, you don't get works mm-hmm. better. They follow mm-hmm. the law to a T. Mm-hmm. And yet they're being cast out and, and their city's being destroyed as in verse 7. Right. But their cities are being destroyed in the parable. Yeah. Because they reject the invitation. Right. Yeah. The reason why why these people are being destroyed and why the the murderers are being killed is because the king comes to remind them, come to the banquet, and they Mm -hmm. decide, no, I don't want to go to the banquet. Right. I cannot come to the banquet. They don't want to go. Right. So they're not accepting the invitation. Right. So what I see in this parable is the same thing that I see in the Gospels generally, is this idea that there are those who believe, in air quotes, and those who actually believe. And you know the people who actually believe because they're the people who are actually going to put into practice what they're being asked to put into practice. There's people who will say the right theology, like, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these great things in your name? And Jesus will say, I never knew you. So the way I'm understanding this is, yes, everyone who accepted the invitation is in the wedding banquet. But not everyone who accepted the invitation demonstrates by their willingness to wear the clothes that they actually are part of the chosen. They're, okay. They were invited, mm-hmm. but they weren't chosen. Right. Because we have to do something with the fact that that the only, everyone, the problem with the Pharisees, the problem with the first invited guests was that they rejected the invitation. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Then you have all these people accepting the invitation. Mm-hmm. And you have this one guy who, who was judged, even though he accepted the invitation. Mm-hmm. But we don't know if he was one of the good or the bad. No, but it doesn't matter. His works coming in didn't matter. His his background doesn't matter. What matters is that he heard the invitation to come to the banquet and he said, yep, I'm in. But what separated him as one of the invited from the other who were the chosen was that he didn't actually want to do what the king commanded, which was wear the wedding garments. Right. So I, I'm now taking that, that principle that this guy demonstrated that even though he accepted the invitation, he wasn't actually part of the chosen because he refused to listen to the king's commands. So I'm not arguing that we're saved by works. We both believe that we're justified through Christ alone, by faith alone, through grace alone, all, all that. What I'm saying, though, is that in the Gospels, there's a consistent theme, and I think in the context of this, that that fruit has to come from the life of someone who actually is following Jesus. This is this is why I brought in the language of Second Peter of make your confirm your calling and election and James of the mm-hmm. you can profess your faith, but if you don't practice it, then it's dead. Yeah, I think I think this parable is fitting in that category. You can accept an invitation, but not actually be a part of the wedding banquet because you don't listen to the king. Okay. So that, that was essentially my point. So mm-hmm. what I, I didn't want people, hopefully what people didn't hear from me was a works righteousness. I, I try to go out of my way to make it not sound works righteousy. Right. Because I, I don't, I think that's dumb. I don't think we're saved by our own works. But I do think that if we profess faith, but we don't want to practice it, I think we're fooling ourselves into giving our, our, us any hope. 
yep. of salvation to say, you know what, I'm going to profess faith, but I don't, I don't actually want to do what the Lord tells me to do. It doesn't matter. A different way of putting that maybe would just say it would draw, it would, ra- it would bring into question the faith that you have oh, if for you're sure. not willing to act on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And we, we see this over and over again in the Bible. Uh, Jesus himself, we've said this many times, where he talks about how, listen, you'll know you're one of my disciples because you love one another, right? His, a, a student of Jesus is going to act in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, will, it will change the way that your uh, relationship with God, uh, salvation, will change the way that you behave. Right. Yep. Not because, again, not because your behavior is saving you, but because you're saved, you will behave. Right. So, because you're saved, you'll be here. That rhymes. <laughs> so my nice only um, caution against the the question, I actually emailed to this person individually too, so mm. I don't think I'm saying anything that I didn't write in that email, mm-hmm. uh, is that we just have to be dangerous. We have to be careful not to do the dangerous thing of, of reading the language from other New Testament authors into what another New Testament author says. So what I mean by that is just because Paul might use language of being clothed in righteousness or, or use that kind of language of imputation. When we see an opportunity in Matthew to put that in, we, we can, but it has to be in alignment with what Matthew is actually trying to accomplish. So God, God means to teach us in Matthew 22 what Matthew intended to teach us. It's the same, it's the same purpose. And so my only hesitation with the, the using the wedding garments as imputation of righteousness language is it just doesn't seem to fit the context of what Matthew's trying to do. Um, it, it seems like the preceding and also what comes after that, what this is doing, what this has to do with is, is your behavior, your, your actions in light of what you believe. So the Pharisees had two problems. The first problem was they rejected Jesus. And the second problem was even though they preached a good way to live your life, they didn't actually do it. So they were unbelieving hypocrites. So that's why right. they get the woes. Mm-hmm. That's why they get the judgment coming against them is they have it from both ends in terms of not, not doing well. Mm-hmm. I think this parable has to do, the latter part of the parable has to do with what do you do with someone who says, I want to follow Jesus, but I don't actually want to follow him. I just want to call him Messiah, but I don't actually want to let him be my Lord. So I prayed the prayer at... Uh, Sunday school. Yep. And now that I'm a grown up, I still want to go and do my own thing. Yep. But hey, I'm good because I prayed the prayer. Exactly. So that's that's the person you think has the dirty clothes. You've accepted the invitation, but okay. you haven't listened to the commands of the king. So the person, okay. So you're Okay, so now I'm seeing the distinction. I guess when I heard the sermon, I didn't I didn't see the distinction that clearly between the leaders. So I'm thinking of like the, the people who think they're in the kingdom because of their works righteousness, which would be pharisaical mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of thing, self-righteousness, right? Because mm-hmm. we say there's, I mean, you can sin in the way of sinning against God and against God's law, and mm-hmm. but you can also be a big brother, like the, the t- yep. right in the parable of the two sons, yep. where the older brother is, um, he thinks that he deserves to be there because of yep. keeping yeah. So, but you're saying that those people who think they've already been there have already been kicked out because of the burning of the city. Yep. Part. Yep. Oh. They're destroyed. Okay. They're yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. So yep. now what do you do? The wedding has to be filled. Right. So let's go find more people. Right. Yep. And these people are okay. going to be from all over. So I think they're good and bad. I think then. I think if, and now in the sermon you didn't talk about the 
leaders, religious leaders and Jews and gent like you didn't no. you didn't kind of describe that. Okay. No. Okay. Not not in detail. Okay. That yeah. I probably would have been helped. Yeah. If that was there. Yeah, for sure. Sorry to turn this into a sermon review. <laughs> no, it's good. Just so you guys know, this is a little taste. And then they would also say things like stop moving around all the time and that shirt doesn't look good on video and other things like that. All too. those yeah. kinds of good things. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually already took place. Yeah. <laughs> I, already, I already got my hand slapped for those things too. So if you're watching on a video and the my shirt was making you uncomfortable, I'm very sorry. I won't wear that shirt again when I preach. <laughs> we appreciate that, Greg. So. It's great. Well, cool. That's, thank you, Greg. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for that uh, discussion. That was great. Um, last week on this podcast, we talked about uh, rewards and the sermons that were preached the week prior. And we got a follow-up email um, with some questions and some verses that are listed out. So I'm, I'm just going to read kind of this person's email in response to that. And they start by saying it did lead to more questions what about all the verses on deeds? Don't these lead people to believe that you'll be given according to what you do? If salvation is by grace and that's the reward, then what could we possibly be given for our deeds if it, if it wasn't some sort of reward? Hmm. And then here's some verses on this idea. So I'm, I'm going to just start with a couple of these and we'll, we'll talk about these. So Matthew 16, verse 27 so why, why don't we, sorry, can I cut you off? Yeah, totally. Go ahead. Why don't we assign one of these passages to Ooh. each of the three of us and we'll read them in their context. That's great. Yeah, I'll take Romans. So okay. I'll, I'll do the Matthew one. Okay. What, what's Paul's going to be? I can do Ephesians. Sure. I, guess. I, don't, I don't think we could do all of these in there. No, 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 just the first no, three. No, just Let's the first, first three. three. Just now, the first three. You know, well, is that even? No, so Ephesians six. Okay. So Greg's going to okay, do Matthew 16. So why don't, where are you going to start with this? Because the verse that was given to us is Matthew 16, verse 27. Yeah. Well, let's start with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to start. I'll read 27 alone, and then I'll jump back to 21 where the context starts. Great. So verse 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So this listener is saying, here's a verse. That talks about reward according to what's being done. How if salvation is attained by grace through faith in Christ alone, we're, we're in his righteousness and we get heaven. Doesn't this talk about extra rewards? I'm going to read the passage in its context and you guys can tell me if it does or not. Verse 21, Matthew 16. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will roar each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So does that passage, does that verse, verse 27, 
talk about receiving degrees of reward on the basis of what we have done in our works on earth. What do you guys say? Well, I, I think it does talk about receiving a reward. The question is, what kind of a reward are you receiving? Right. right. And Jesus is being, it's very clear here what the reward is uh, throughout. So here's, here's my argument. Verse 24, Jesus says, look, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. If you want to save your life, you'll lose it. If you want to, but if you want to, if you lose your life, then you'll, you'll find if you (laughs) just read the verse, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And then he says, what good will be if you gain the whole world, but lose your soul. And then he says, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. And then will he reward each person according to what they have done? What's the doing in this passage? It, the doing in the passage, being reward for the doing in the passage, is the willingness to take up your cross, lay down your life, and follow Jesus so that you find, so that you gain life. That's so that you gain the reward. See, in the context of this, it has to do with the fact that real disciples, so here's Matthew talking about how real disciples are actually going to follow Jesus in what they do in their life. And if they do that, they're going to receive a reward. It's almost and, like it sounds like Matthew 22. And what's right. the reward? The reward itself is, I mean, I'm going to use the it's language life. of Matthew 22. It's, yeah. it's, the, it's the wedding banquet. It's life itself. Yeah, eternal life. Whoever uh, loses his life for my sake will find it. Yeah. Find life. Yeah. And this is the same thing that we find in Romans uh, chapter 2, verse 6. Uh, if we just read that verse, it says that he will render to each one according to his works. Uh, you Okay. What, what, where'd yeah. you go, Andy? Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm still here. Okay. He kind of just He rendered it, it to each sec. according to his works. Yeah, um, yeah, for a second there, I was like, did I read the right verse? Because mine, mine says uh, ah. a different translation will say deeds or whatever. Right. Uh, so, you're, you know, you'll be, you'll be rewarded. You'll be rendered uh, for your works. But, you know, if you stop there, uh, it could seem, oh, okay, there's these rewards that you're going to mm. get in heaven, these, mm. these, like, sweet riches. But if you keep reading, again, it, it fills in the context to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, uh, he will... Did I read something funny? No, you're good. I want to ask a question when you finish the verse. Uh, <laughs> okay. To those who by patience and in, in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who seek... Are, sorry, but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth... But obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. So here's my question. We just studied the book of Romans, right? Yep. First so, three chapters. So, right. So who, in Paul's system of thinking up to this point, who is actually the person who lives a life where they will, by persistence and doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality? Who, who are the people worthy by their actions of eternal life at this at this point in the book of romans yeah Uh, because i get people who will point to this passage and say see this is evidence that there are going to be those in other places in the world who have never heard the gospel but who live such a good life that they're going to be saved Mm -hmm. because of their response to uh 
the creation around them and because of their really good behavior. They're the kinds of people who are going to gain eternal life. But is that what Paul is actually even talking about here? And you're, you're talking about uh, chapter 1, verse 18. Right. Uh, Where Paul's argument here so far from Romans 1 and 2 has been that actually every single person is an idolater. Yep. And all of you Jewish people are looking at those crazy pagans on the other side of the world who don't even know anything about God, and you're saying totally they're idolaters. The problem is, is you guys do the exact same things. You're equally as guilty as yes. the pagans. And so here in this verse, he's saying, look, if you do all these good things, you're going to get good things. But that's a rhetorical flourish for Paul. His point isn't that you can actually do this in your own strength because we yep. can't be saved by our works. He's saying that actually no one... Everyone's going to get what they deserve according to what they do. The problem is, is that no one does what's right. So at this point, uh, you're going to get wrath. Exactly. So to use this verse then to say that there's going to be degrees of reward because you're going to be paid according to your deeds uh, is just straight out of context because the point of the passage is that your deeds deserve wrath. Yeah. You don't have the deeds you think you have. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, again, though, I just want to come back to this, the, the point, though, that would tie in with Matthew, is that where is Paul going with this? Well, it's not going to be found in you, but it's going to be found in Christ. Yeah. And in him, what do you get? You get that reward. And what's the reward? Eternal life. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. So, Paul, you want to sweet hit uh, us up with Ephesians 6? Ephesians 6. Verse 8 is the verse yeah, that is given. Yeah, so they cited, uh, this person cited verse 8, which says, Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Mm-hmm. So this is um, following chapter 5, which talks about um, wives submitting to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Then beginning of chapter 6, children, obey your parents. And now we're into the part that's about servants and masters or slaves and masters. Mm -hmm. So starting in verse five says bond servants, Mm -hmm. which can also be translated as slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. So. What do you guys think? Does it talk about degrees of reward? No. Why? What? This no. one This one seems to be one of the more unclear yeah, unclear, yes. But I think because he's talking in the context of these relationships, he's talking context of wives and husbands, children and parents, servants and masters. He's talking within the context of earthly relationships. So therefore, when he's talking about doing good to and uh, rendering service with a goodwill as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Uh, if we're generally, generally speaking, now this isn't, this isn't a, um, a law, but Mm. I don't think this is a, this is a law, but this is more like a proverb. So if we Mm. treat people well, we will be treated well. 
and the Lord will bless our, not necessarily in a heavenly way with rewards or anything, but if, if you treat people well, the Lord will, will bless your relationships. Right. So you're reading this as a proverb, that essentially part, a, pr- a yes. proverbial teaching mm-hmm. that the better you work, yeah, the good you receive. And it's also a tie in the language from James of the fact that if you receive anything good, it's from God. Yes. Well, why couldn't right. we read this, though, in the same way we're reading all the other rewards? That those people who suffer in this life, they've suffered in earthly life, but they are going to be rewarded in heaven yes. with eternal life. Because, right? because, because here's my question. To, Yo, sorry. To, I'm just asking the question, because they listen to the command, is that your the line of reasoning that you're saying there? Yeah, it goes back to the passage you read, yeah. that, that they laid down their life and they followed Christ. Yeah. And, they, and they were willing to suffer in this life, knowing that there was a better life to come. Uh, but the, but that is life. That mm-hmm. it's and here let me let me read for you John chapter seventeen in which Jesus is praying, and he's talking to them about what this what this heavenly life is going to be. And he says, since you have given him authority, talking to God, this is Jesus talking to his Father here over over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And then he says in verse three, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's this idea. And this is the concern I have with this idea of rewards. What reward is greater than relationship with God? I, that to me, it like everything else pales in comparison to that. Yeah. I mean, so so what kind of reward would you be desiring in heaven that is better than relationship with God? God's giving you the kingdom. He's giving you the best that there is uh, in, in eternal life, and that is relationship with Him. Yeah. Uh, so how, how do you do? You, do you guys see what I'm saying here? Totally. Yeah, it, it's almost as though sometimes when we think about rewards, we fill those categ- those those categories. If we say there's heavenly rewards, we fill those rewards with some of the small idols that we have in our own lives. So we think yeah. status or wealth. It would be like or this: power or those kinds of things. Hey, John, I'm going to give you a billion dollars, and you're like, "Oh, that's awesome!" By the way, I'm gonna you can or you if you do some good stuff, I'll give you a Lamborghini. Right. You know, you're like. Dude, I got a billion dollars. Right. I can I can go get a Lamborghini if I, can I get want. Five. I, yeah, I can go get a couple of those. Yeah. Do you see do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It seems to me that if you start looking at heaven and these kind of earthly reward type ideas, that you're actually minimizing the the amazing uh reward, if you want to put it in those yeah. terms, mm-hmm. that we receive in heaven. And it's not life, by the way. It's not. It's not a duration of getting to exist forever. Right. That I don't actually see that as a good thing. Mm. Uh, and Jesus is making the comment here. It's not this duration of life. It's actually relationship with God. That's eternal life, and that's something you would want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So I think. Oh, going back to your passage. Yeah. So I think when when I when I answered your question saying no, it doesn't mean rewards as in varying degrees of rewards in heaven. But I think there's, I think there are two ways to read it, and that's I was gonna go to that, but he's point oh, job thunder stealer. It's oh, okay, no, sorry, it's good. Man. I, I didn't, I should have said. I think there's two ways to see this. Mm, so you could see fault. this. I think you could see this as a proverbial reading, yeah. Or you could see it as saying, this is actually talking about you will get rewarded in, by getting eternal life, yeah. Because you are serving your masters as you would serve the Lord. Uh, Jesus will reward you with eternal life because not because of the works you're doing, but because out of your faith you're doing these works. Yep. Do you guys see any any exegetical grounds? Any like just good Bible reading f- 
uh, rationale for why this would be taken to mean degrees of rewards. In Ephesians 6? In Ephesians 6. I I was thinking about, I struggle with that because there's no mention of kind of an after the fact kind of reward here. I think think if you, I think the only reason is if you in your mind have this, if you come into it with a preconception, preconceived Mm -hmm. idea that when I, or the presupposition, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. that rewards, varying degrees of rewards, are things that you will get, then you'll see it. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you go into it looking and going, okay, I'm going to actually break this down word by word, verse by verse, then you'll find no, it doesn't. Yep. Yeah. So thank you guys for this time on this podcast. It's been great having you guys, and this was a lively discussion. Mm. Appreciate it. I hope our listeners appreciate it too. Again, if you've got questions about sermons you're hearing or things you're reading or things you're seeing, just fire those off, extra at northview.org. We'll be happy to address those. And anything is kind of fair game. It doesn't have to strictly be, okay, how do I read this verse or this passage in scripture? It can be, hey, I heard somebody say this, or I saw some preacher say this, or hey, this is going on in the world. What What is this all about? Send those in. We're more than happy to address those. Sweet. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jeff.